Welcome to Postcast tonight after the Utah Jazz get stunned by the Memphis Grizzlies by the final score of 92 to 84. What happened to the Jazz offense? What was Memphis's defensive game plan? And what weaknesses were exposed that should have us concerned? Those are all the things we'll talk about coming up as we do Postcast here on Locked On Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by the store at 62 South and 20th East. Stop by for your holiday needs and your June pies and all the rest at 600 South and 20th East. Well, one level, Ron, there's a little bit of just numbers. I know I always go back to it, but the Jazz had been shooting the ball so well. I was with a bunch of people, actually, Jeff and Scott from the store and some other people today, and said, they said, oh, we'll get Memphis tonight. I said, you never know because we're shooting 44% from three, and at some point that's going to even out. You now look at our shooting percentage for the season, it's right on our season average at 37%. So to some extent, there's just a level tonight where the, the hot shooting in the first two nights went away. Well, and, and obviously, the Jazz weren't making the shots that they normally make, and you're absolutely right about you just can't continue to, uh, to shoot at that, what was it, 40, 41%, I think the Jazz are shooting at this point. But getting the looks that the Jazz were getting and not making them and then having to try to force things, I think, played right into the hands there of the Memphis Grizzlies. All right, but let's break down some things because there was a period, particularly in the third quarter, where Memphis's defense really was the issue. The Jazz were running the pick and roll in the middle of the floor. They were trying to get the roll guy down to the basket, and every time someone rolled to the basket, they were running into not only Marcus Gasol, but three other guys. What did Memphis and J.B. Bickerstaff do that clogged up the Jazz offense? Well, they took away the effectiveness of, of Rudy uh, and Derek Favors. They took away the roll game. They took away uh, the easy buckets there in the middle. And also, that by clogging the middle, that, that kept the Jazz from breaking the defense down where they can draw and kick, kick to the wings and get some, you know, those three uncontested three-point shots. Clogging the middle and the fact that the Jazz were not making any threes, I mean, that just played right into the hands of Memphis. This, this team... Um, came into the night averaging 107 points a ball game, and I'm surprised that they were averaging that the way they played tonight. Well, they played Atlanta, so maybe that's part of the reason well, why. Well, 131 points they scored in that ball game. So two things happen when you clog the middle like that. One of the things is the Jazz end up taking a lot of shots in the paint, non-restricted area, and missing a great deal. I think I don't remember the final number. I don't have it up in front of me, but I think there was something in the range of 2 of 15 or something in those shots in the paint. The other thing is you now kick out to threes, and the likelihood is you're going to have a corner three open because they've dragged somebody into the middle of the paint, and we didn't hit those shots. Dante tonight ends up going 2 of 11 and 0 of 4 of 3. Ricky Rubio goes 1 of 8, 1 of 5. And, again, I think the Jazz were about 2 of 12 on corner threes tonight. Yeah, we play this team again in about a week, week, week and a few days, and I'm really curious to see what the pros the Jazz are going to have uh, against this team next time. I felt like this was a game where you almost had to look at the film to be able to see what was open. That the Jazz just didn't quite understand what was going to be open when it needed to be. I just wonder, you know, what Quinn's going to say uh, why we were, were not open. Um, I thought transition offense would have been uh, something more effective that, kept, that would keep the Grizzlies from getting back, getting that defense set to the point where they take away uh, the, the inside game that you were talking about. You're welcome to throw us any questions if you have them. If you're watching live on Instagram, we'll float around Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter throughout the year uh, here taking your questions if you want to jump in uh, with any questions about what happened with the Jazz tonight. The good news is probably that the defense clicked back in. We were wondering after two games whether the pace in the league was such, but the defense was really good tonight. Mike Conley conducted the game and kind of controlled it out playing our point guards, but I would still say that you saw the Jazz have their defensive impact on the game. 
Yeah, Conley's a very good basketball player, and, and I mentioned during the course of the basketball game, probably doesn't get as much notoriety at that position as a lot of uh, the guys do, and uh, Chris Paul, you know, the, the, the Westbrooks and, the, and, and those type of players. But, boy, he's a solid player. He's always been a solid player. He was, what, fourth pick in the draft, uh, what was it, 07, something like that. And he's just been a steady player throughout throughout his career. But the combination of him and Casal, the way they play together, is, is, is probably the best in the league. First question coming in, why did A.B. not play much uh, in the second after playing so well? He, he didn't have a great first, and he didn't have a great game against Golden State, but I really think the offense was just struggling, and Quinn was trying to find a spark. So he went to Grayson Allen, hoping that that could create some sort of spark for for them in the second half. Yeah, we didn't see much of Royce O'Neal there as well. I mean, that, as you mentioned, you know, just trying to find a combination out there on the floor uh, to open things up. A guy, maybe one player has a hot hand and you can ride him for a while. I and mean, that's what coaches do when teams start to struggle. And uh, A.B. just happened to be the odd man out tonight. And how are we feeling about Ricky Rubio's performance? He has been struggling a little bit. This is the second st game in three that he did not finish. Exum finished the first one. Grayson Allen finished tonight trying to find something. He did have a three-sequence stretch where he took back-to-back -back threes and missed and then took an off-balance shot after that that kind of swung the game the wrong direction. Uh, he, he is struggling a little bit. I mean, he's not a great shooter, so there's going to be some bad nights, but one of eight tonight, a little disappointing. Yeah, only 29 minutes on the floor, and those 29 minutes were not very good. Um, you mentioned it during early in the ballgame that he struggled against Conley. I, I wonder if it's because Conley has just that ability to uh, to take him out. I mean, because Conley, another one of those players that keeps the ball in his hands to the right time or he gets to the hold and, and, you know, shoots that little runner all the time. Career numbers for Rubio against Conley have been ugly, and that will only be continued. We'll talk about it again coming up in a week or so. Well, this is a difficult loss because of what you have coming up. There just aren't a lot of wins on the schedule early on in the season. This was one you would have thought the Jazz were favored by 10.5 coming into this, though I think it's a little misleading because Memphis is not the 22-60 and 60 team they were a year ago. But now you head on the road to Houston, to New Orleans, to Dallas, and to Minnesota. You better figure it out. Yeah. Again, 50% wins on the road, you know, that that you can survive that and come back home and, and, and try to regroup. But Houston is going to be without Chris Paul. I hope the Jazz don't look and think that, okay, they're without Chris Paul. We should be able to win this basketball game. Uh, but there, there's a couple of winnable basketball games on this trip, and hopefully they're ready to play. Before we wrap it up, I think a lot of people asking questions about Donovan. His line will look worse than he was because he took three shots late, but he only took 14 shots throughout the game. He's just not getting to where he got to last year or hit getting some of the shots that he is used to getting. A lot of that's tonight, I think, that whole game plan where they're dropping the bigs, getting the guys in there, and there's just no room. Now, this is the growing pains of, of a player that, that all of a sudden hits the scene and some players don't know or some teams don't know a lot about him, and, and now the offense is geared to stop him. Uh, he'll make some adjustments. Uh, he got to the point where he was trying to force, and force some things and, and try to make some things happen on his own. He'll learn to uh, do it within the flow of the game and not try to have to do it all himself. But these are growing pains. Kevin Garnett talked about that against Donovan and how much pressure it is on him right now that being that the sophomore year in the NBA. Kevin <laughs> Durant, I'm sorry. We at least, made, get rid of Kevin we at least made you laugh at the end of a tough night for the Jazz. Have a good one. This has been Postcast. Thank you for watching from Honduras, Captain Bones. This is brought to you by the store, 1600 South, 20th East. Wraps up the night here from Salt Lake City.